0: Why? why?
1: If you have T Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing why? why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why not switch to Cox internet with two times faster download speeds than T Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Visit Cox.com slash 5G home for details.
0: This program is sponsored by Amplify Peace.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Amplify Peace. We are all about exploring how we can listen, learn, and live differently in this crazy world. Well, today we want to discover the impact of empathy, the strength of unity, the power of love, and the beauty of humanity. I'm your host, Lisa Jernigan. And joining me today is my good friend, Tyler Hedgkins, who he's really somebody that practices his faith and he takes it into the community. And you can see Tyler you, I just had heard his name for so many years and finally we connected a year or so ago and been working and serving on several projects together because he's just the guy that makes things happen. So Tyler, first of all, I don't want to tell too much of your story because I want you to, but welcome to Amplify Peace.
0: Thanks for having me, Lisa.
1: Well, I'm super excited to have you. And I, first of all, I want you to share a little bit about who you are and why you do all the things that you do.
0: Yeah. Um So married to my wife, Kelsey, um, and about end of 2010, um, started to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And that has changed my trajectory and um, the decisions that I've made and the way that I look at the world. But even before that, um, when I was in elementary school, um, I had always just been a carefree child that just enjoyed my friends and hung out at recess, just kind of within my own bubble. But then september eleventh two thousand and one happened, and that really was the first time in my life that I realized that there was a bigger world outside my own and When that day happened, I started to ask some questions, which is who are the who's al Qaeda and what are the twin towers? Why would people do something so evil and at that age, I was able to realize like something's off something's broken and it just planted a seed in my heart that I knew when I got older that I wanted to be a positive impact in the world. And so that's really fueled me uh, combining that with following Christ. And you know, Christ is a light in the darkness and he's called us to be that light as well. And it's still a dark world, um, but there's light that's shining and that's through his followers. And ultimately it's going to be all renewed again. And I'm just... Uh, loving having this new perspective and really an answer for the world's uh, problems.
1: Well, okay. A couple of things about it. First of all, you said when you're a little kid in September 11th and I'm like, okay, I was an adult with kids. And so it's like, okay, well, there we go. And it's yeah. just like, you realize the generation, right? Of like yeah. how people remember that date and, and, uh, and it's a stage of life you're at, but I, what I so appreciate about your story is like this, this horrific events start happening in our world and it created this curiosity within you. And I think a lot of times in our journey uh, to answer our whys and no matter what we do, it first starts with curiosity. Like something has happened. We've seen something. We've experienced something and we can't let it go. We've got to, we got to explore it more. So I just appreciate that you leaned in with curiosity and just to see where that Those initial questions has led you today in your adult life and the work you're doing. You're very engaged with, uh, like even with the city of Gilbert, working with the mayor and the councils and helping to really, um, create a a more mutually beneficial community and culture for people in our, in our cities. And I just love that heart. And when I was thinking about, uh, thinking about you, thinking about our conversations we've had, in the past, um, and the things that we're working on, I think a lot of it can be summarized by neighbor love. And what does it truly mean to love our neighbor? But then I think we have to back up and ask another question, who is my neighbor? So, I mean, you just kind of shared a story, but how would you answer, like, who is my neighbor first? And then how do I, what does it mean to love my neighbor?
0: Yeah, so that thread in my heart which was, I want to impact the world to make a positive difference. Uh, it just planted a seed in my heart, but I couldn't do anything uh, at the age that I was. But as I got older, when I was 17, uh, Town Hall was right across the street. And so I was like, well, I can start going to town council meetings and just being engaged. And that really uh, pushed me through um, really becoming involved in local cities. And, and I look at myself as a bridge builder between local government and the church and vice versa. And so who is who is my neighbor? It's everyone that I come in contact with. And the question that the lawyer is asking Jesus, who is my neighbor, um, is, um, well, who do you want me to love? And really, we're called to love everyone. Jesus is clarifying that our neighbors is everyone. We're all made in the image of God. And so we are to love everyone we come in contact with.
1: I, You know, and it's so easy to just, we talk about echo chambers, you know, to just, and then that's where we stay. And those are the people that we love. And it's, it's uncomfortable sometimes to step outside of those with people that have different beliefs, uh, different faith background, different politics, um, different life perspectives. And sometimes you encounter people that are hard. You know, that are hard to, to love sometimes for different reasons. But it, but again, like you said, everyone's created in the image of God. And this is why, you know, as peacemakers, we're like, it's, you have to practice a lot of times this. How do I love people and love like Jesus loved people? And Jesus talks so much about that. But I know you, I, just in conversations we've had prior, uh, you talk about God and, and it just, how God created and created man. And I just love, you've talked about partnerships, like how we get to partner with God. Can you just kind of walk us through uh, kind of a, a study that you've done yourself um, going back to Genesis? Cause I think it's a beautiful kind of thread that kind of leads into today.
0: Yeah. So we're, we're called to walk in the same way of our redeemer, which is Jesus Christ. And he walked roads that were very difficult and really challenging and he also walked in eight with tax collectors and sinners. And we're to be around those those that are different than us. And um, it's an opportunity to, um, to grow and to be more like Jesus. And if you wanted to get to Jesus when he was here on earth, you would literally have to walk through the poor mm-hmm. and the, those that are on the margins to, in order to get to Jesus. That's where he would have been. That's who he would have been with. Um, But something that I've been, as you're kind of mentioning here with partnership, that I've been thinking about a lot lately is when I like look around through my eyes, anywhere that I look, there is nothing that God, that Jesus didn't create. And so like we see in in uh John chapter one, verse one, it talks about in the beginning, the word, which is Jesus, was there. He was with God. And there's nothing that he did not make, and it was through Jesus. And so and that relates to Genesis 1.1, where it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And heavens and the earth, what that really just means is everything. God mm-hmm. created everything. Um, and so that, that's been a huge uh, insight for me. But also Genesis 1.2, it continues, The earth was without form and without void. And the word in Hebrew uh, without form and void is tohu wubohu. Um, And this idea, it basically means that the earth was barren and uninhabited. And so God, when he created the world, he created it and was like an alien wasteland before humanity was there. It was without form, without void. It was barren. It's kind of like a preserve when you preserve how, how it is. And so he created humanity in his image. To become partners with him to work and to cultivate this world. And so it starts in the Garden of Eden. And it's this garden. But God has always intended from the beginning in Genesis that this garden would turn into a city in the mm-hmm. very end. And we are to partner with God um, as his creation to cultivate this world. And and the word culture literally comes from cultivate. And so we're to go into And to make roads, to make cities, to, uh, make communities, to create art, to create music. There's all these things that God's put in the world, even the things that man has formed into something, um, like the blinds that are sitting in front of me. There's raw materials that God put into earth that he wanted us to, to extract and to form into things because that's who God is. And if we're made in his image, we're to look like the artist and the designer and the construction worker that God resembles.
1: I love those analogies. And like we are to create the cities, the roads. We don't think of all of the practical things, but we are also a culture of creators and to creating a culture that reflects the creator, right? And I love when it says God created, he's, he's still creating. And so we get to partner with him and ongoing creation and creating those cultures, when you start thinking about it in those terms, partnering with God, and, and He's kind of given us the responsibility and the opportunity and the privilege to create culture and create cities, that's an awesome responsibility that I, you're, you're causing me to think about that more, going, that's why He created us. Sometimes we just we get so caught up in the, the dailiness of life, because it's so daily, it's every 24 hours, and we forget really... Our why and God has called us to a higher place to like join me in creating something beautiful. I think we forget what what does beauty look like. How do we create beautiful places for people?
0: Yeah, and and we forgot. Yeah, we've forgotten that since Genesis. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at the rebellion, we we forgot our calling, Mm -hmm. and we have a choice. You know, humanity's had a choice. We can live up to the calling that God has given us or we cannot. And so when we, when we don't live up to the calling, you can look at examples of this um, with uh, in the Old Testament, King Saul and, um, and, you know, David, you know, and there's, and David was good and he had different things. And so we're to be a good king or to be a good human, and we can also choose bad. And so I think the beautiful thing is Jesus coming on the scene where God said, Hey, what I created in the beginning and the promise that I made with Abraham to make a nation as numerous as the stars and the covenant that I made with him, I moved towards Abraham and put Abraham to sleep. Um When they would make covenants, they would uh basically meet in the middle the two parties and they would say um, there would be these animal body parts on either side that would be cut. And so, The idea was we're making a promise and if whoever breaks this promise may they end up like the animal that is on either side of us but god with abraham puts him to sleep and god Mm. is the one that moves through and what god is saying in that moment is abraham when you fail to live up to your calling the one who is going to die will not be you it will be me and that's jesus on the cross where god is saying hey i remembered my covenant i remembered my promise and I'm gonna restore broken things. I'm gonna make them new. The sadness of this world will be, will be fixed. And so that is gonna lead into the return of Christ when he comes back. Um, but right now we have the opportunity as followers of Jesus to be that light that uh, Jesus was. And so we're to go out into the world now and be pictures of the future kingdom. We're to go and cultivate. And it doesn't mean it's just pastors or ministry leaders you can you can be in secular positions and still be projecting the kingdom everywhere you go and it's in a lot of it, it's not necessarily part of its evangelizing and part of it's being that example but the way that you order things or the way that you cultivate things or the systems that you create that create flourishing and good um you know all of that contributes to the future coming of the kingdom
1: mm. You're you're getting me inspired here because it's like to really go, what a great opportunity because we can look around us and we do see so much brokenness and pain and evil, right? And you're like, it's winning and you can just kind of think that, but it doesn't win in the end and God is still God and he's still calling us to him to be a part of. You said something earlier that really resonated and I think it's really important to, to talk about and realize you said that for people to get to Jesus, they had to walk through the poor and, you know, the lepers, the hurt, the hurting people, because that's who Jesus hung out with. That's where you would find him in those communities. I think if we really thought about ourselves, how would, if people were to find us, where would they find us? And a lot of times it's not among the marginalized, the poor. So speak to that a little bit. How do we engage in the world a little bit in our own communities? How does the church really be the church and engage in those ways where we find Jesus? Where are the places we're not seeing that if Jesus was here, he would be? That's where we would find him.
0: Yeah. I love our church and I love coming, going to church on Sunday, but I think you would find that Jesus would be outside the four walls and he'd be going into the dark places of the world. And, and so um, he would be moving into the marginalized, um, the ones who are the last. I mean, he says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Um, and I think it'll, it would be, he would be with those. And so I think part of it's to look and say, who's hurting in our community? Who, who, who is not uh, benefiting from the way that our, our community is set up? And I think looking at those who are invisible, and I think it's easy to overlook uh, certain individuals. And I think really it's, um, you know, looking at the scriptures and slowing down and seeing like, what did Jesus see? What did he do? Mm-hmm. There's the there's the woman in Maine who uh, her son had died. And she's walking out of the city and there's about 500 people in the village. It's, it's actually a village that are following her. It's a funeral procession. And there comes Jesus with 2,000 people that are following him. And it says that, um, so they've got this funeral procession. It says that Jesus stopped and he saw her. He saw the woman. There's, there's, there's so many people, but the woman who was hurting, Jesus stopped and saw. And the next thing it says that he was filled with compassion. Mm. How did they know it was, he was filled with compassion for this woman? I mean, it must have been written all over his face for all these people to be able to see this. And then what does it say? It says, then he moved towards her and he goes to her and he talks to her and he says, woman, don't cry. And he doesn't mean that in in talking down sort of way, but he knows what he's going to do. He's going to raise her son up from the dead. Um, and he gives her son back to her. And why is that important? That's important because this woman, she already, it says she's a widow. So she doesn't have her husband and now she's just lost her son. And back then in those times, your security. And your financial well-being as a woman and your status in the community was dependent on your husband and then dependent on your son to be able to take care of you after that. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus looks at her and he has compassion and he moves towards her and then he restores her son back to her. And that, I mean, if we just have the eyes of Jesus and then filled with compassion and move towards those that are hurting, uh, we're following the way that he has set for us.
1: Mm -hmm. I, that's such a great story and example. And it's basically like, what if we woke up every day and said, Ask God, who do you want me to see this day? And then really, like you said, slow down and had new eyes to see. It could be somebody in the grocery store. It could be our neighbor across the street. Like who do we really need to see? And then and then how do we just show up for them? Right. And I love how, you know, you said Jesus showed up with compassion. And then that compassion led him to an action. And I I think that's so much of like, what if we just practice that simple thing? But to a lot of times the action is messy, right? And it requires something of us. And we're like, but I don't have time for that today. But how do we, again, slow down and create margin in our lives where we can, we can, we can respond and we can respond with compassion to people. Um, and I think that's important to just think about how do we show up in this world? And that's, you know, one of the things as peacemakers, how do we, how do we enter into those broken, messy places with hope and beauty and going, we see you. And that's such an important part. Like you said, Jesus saw her and all of us want to be seen and and known. And so how do we as partners with Christ do that? And, you know, we talked about, you were, you know, talking, uh, when we were off talking about just the Bible about being one big story. Right. And so just expand on that a little bit. Cause I think there was so many parts in there and like, where do we see ourselves?
0: Yeah. Um, so our culture is feeding up all kinds of stories and it's saying that you're a part of this consumer story. It's saying that you're to be part of this uh, success story, the American dream. You're part of the story. And and what the Bible is doing, is says, no, 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 you're not a part of any other culture story but God's. And so the Bible is not a collection of all these different books um, that are these individual stories. It's one big story that starts in Genesis in the garden and it ends with the city. Um, and and it, it climaxes in the moment of Christ showing up on the scene. And so it's a big story. And so we, as followers of Christ, need to look at that pig story and say, what is this? What is God doing? Mm -hmm. And really what he's doing is he's redeeming all of creation, not just you and me as humanity. God creates about everything that he created in the garden, everything. And so he's going to restore all that. And there will be this new earth and we will be here on this earth in the end. It will be renewed. The fullness of what it was meant to be will be fully realized and we will see each other we will uh we will play sports together but it'll be sports without without sin um it will be it will be joyful we'll still hang out we'll enjoy the goodness of god's creation and so when jesus came it was the end coming and being in our present reality jesus is that light that coming future and now with the holy spirit indwelling in us He is, he has called us to go and to spread the kingdom. And now we are light. We're not the light. We're, we're, we're little lights and Mm -hmm. we're to go out into this dark world and, and be pictures in every area of life, every area, every job. There is no job that is just secular. It's all sacred. It's all for the kingdom. It's all for Christ. And in every space, we have an opportunity to show the watching world. Hey, there, there's something beautiful. What you're craving, um, when you, when you're taking positions on things of like, there's something wrong. There's something unjust. Yeah. You're feeling something that God feels, but guess what? It's a much bigger story and you should join this story with us because one day there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more pain, suffering. There'll be no more sickness or disease. There'll be joy and you, we can all be a part of that. And so that's what I've been super excited with with as i think about really what is god doing and what's my purpose to follow him i mean jesus literally said to follow him and um we weren't known as christians originally we were called followers of the way mm-hmm. and the way is is the the way that jesus said and we're to step into that way and to walk it's a way of life it's not just it's not just an identity and so part of that is like what we've been discussing, which is the slowing down idea. Um, Satan does not need to do a whole lot with Americans in the 21st century. He just has to keep us busy and distracted. And if we're busy and distracted and we have a meeting or things that we've got to do, we won't notice the person or we won't feel like we have time to to stop and to and to love somebody because we've got something else to do. Mm-hmm. And that's all Satan has to do.
1: You're absolutely right and I'm I'm as I'm listening to this I'm looking at my own life going yeah I I need to put a little bit more margin in there so I can partner with with God and the things that he sees that he wants me to see also and join him and partner with him and like you said you know starts in the garden and it moves creating the city Jesus comes in the middle and he redeems and he's like join me here's I'm showing you a better way and so in that in between place where we find ourselves how do we live differently and how does the church show up differently um where the world looks at us and wants what we're having and i and right now we're in a time where they're looking at us going i'm not sure who you really are and what you have to offer us that's different so how do we as jesus followers really show the world something that's beautiful and that's flourishing and you like you you know i always think about you know what is heaven well, it's, it's a restored and it's like a place, like imagine earth without decay and, and death, where it's just like green is green and growing. Plants are growing. Things are growing. Things are not dying. And, and to your point, talking about just creation and how do we partner in creation with God and not seeing it as something separate, but as, as a, the wholeness of creation, humanity and the created things that God has said, enjoy. And you know, he's asked us to enjoy that, and we sometimes we just abuse it.
0: Yeah, so it, and and I and I would just add to that real quickly is a, a Sermon on the Mount. I mean, Jesus is correcting the, the religious leaders and saying, "You have heard that it was said." This is disciples. You have heard that it was said to uh, to uh, hate your enemy, and you know, and those sort of things, and and he's really correcting that. And I feel like we as followers of Jesus, to look at the things that we've normalized that just aren't the ways of Jesus and, and follow after him now on the way.
1: Oh, thank you for this conversation today. I know that I'm personally walking away with some great takeaways. And I think one of the challenges we probably want to leave our listener, just one of many is where do I fit in God's story? And what does that look like today? Because it's easy to go someday. I will. But someday is today. And so how do I show up differently today in this world where I I want to partner with God and seeing broken things restored and seeing people who God wants me to see? Well, as always, thanks for being a part of this podcast and the Amplify Peace community. For more information on living as a peacemaker in today's world, connect with us at AmplifyPeace.com. And you can also follow us on all social media. Shalom.
0: This program was sponsored by Amplified Peace.
1: No matter how you connect with Allstate, you're in good hands. You'll find all our discounts for all your home and auto insurance needs online or by calling 888-ALLSTATE. Discounts vary by state and are subject to terms and conditions. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.